Hello and welcome. My name is Tecla Francesco, and I'm trying to spread the word about how practicing the law of attraction can significantly improve your physical and mental health. Join me and like-minded friends to learn more about gratitude and how to manifest health and wellness beyond your wildest dreams. I've been practicing these principles for years with incredible results from resolving chronic pain to dissipating daily anxiety and reversing a digestive diagnosis. My goal is for you to leave our weekly episodes with easy and actionable steps to implement effortlessly into your day-to-day life so you can reach your own personal health and wellness goals. Hi everyone and welcome to episode four of Heal Yourself with the Law of Attraction. Last week, we talked about the importance of self-gratitude in manifesting full and abundant health. This week, we're talking about the impact of our limiting beliefs on our physical and mental health and how to break through those to achieve your goals. We're going to start today's episode by diving into what limiting beliefs actually are. I like to think about limiting beliefs as the perceptions we have of ourselves that prevent progress or growth in a specific area of our lives. I think that is really important. We might not have limiting beliefs in all areas of our life. For example, you might not have anything holding you back when it comes to your career and progress at work. But when it comes to your health and wellness, there could be blocks there. These blocks are very much experience-driven. A Harvard Medical School professor and psychiatrist, John Sharp, describes limiting beliefs as the story you've been telling yourself about who you are and how everything always plays out. I think this is so powerful. This example of a narrative that we've been creating about our lives and ourselves, and some of it's fact and some of it's fiction. Parts of the story have been dramatized. Parts of the story have been cut out entirely. What we know is that it's not entirely objective. I'm going to list a few examples of limiting beliefs to help with our understanding and kind of level set here. I want you to think about what, if any, of these resonates with you. I'm so young, people don't take me seriously. I can never wake up early, so a morning routine won't work for me. Prioritizing myself is selfish. I don't have enough experience, so I won't get this job. Exercise is hard and I don't enjoy it. If I take a day off, I'm failing. I don't know anything about fill in the blank, so I can't get started. Change is hard work. Success only comes with sacrifice. When I achieve whatever it is, I will be happy. I don't have the willpower to break a bad habit. I don't have the time. When I try, it never works out. I am not enough. My doctor told me, so there's nothing else I can do about it. Friends, what the heck is going on here? You know what happens when we set ourselves up to fail? We do. When we believe we can, we are in a much better position to succeed and even exceed our expectations. That principle is real and scientific. It's called the Galatea effect, 
which is this concept of a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's this idea that your opinions and beliefs about yourself directly impact your performance and success. This is widely known and recognized in psychology today. Essentially, when your self-efficacy is raised, you perform better. All right, you know what's coming next. We're jumping into some published research. In a study titled, See Sickness as a Self-Fulfilling Prophecy, the researchers conducted an experiment involving naval cadets in the Israeli Defense Force. As with all peer-reviewed research studies, some cadets were assigned to the experimental group and the others assigned to the control group. The experimental group of cadets were told they were unlikely to experience seasickness and that if they did, it was unlikely to affect their performance at sea. That information was withheld from the control group. And at the end of the five-day training exercise, those experimental cadets reported less seasickness and were actually rated as better performers by the onboard training officers than the control cadets. Obviously, those officers were blinded to the study and remained impartial. Why is this so important to us? If you don't believe in your abilities, not only are you setting yourselves up to underperform, you are also less likely to set big goals, you're more likely to avoid being challenged, your self-confidence might start to decrease, and you're less likely to believe your actions make a difference. When it comes to health and wellness, our limiting beliefs have a big impact on our quality and longevity of life. I want to talk more about this in context of another experiment conducted by Harvard University. Now, this experiment involved 84 female room attendants across various hotels. Again, those 84 women were split into a control group and an experimental group. Those in the experimental group were told that the work they do so cleaning the hotel rooms, is good exercise and satisfies the Surgeon General's recommendation for an active lifestyle. The control group wasn't given any of this information. And you know, then they sent those 84 women off and they went about their daily activities for the next month. Four weeks later, the experimental group, that group that was told they were meeting the exercise requirements, showed a decrease in weight blood pressure, body fat, waist-to-hip ratio, and BMI when compared to the control group. This study is called Mindset Matters, and I'll link that in the show notes for you for those that want to do a little bit more reading. Again, I'm absolutely blown away, astonished by this research. Let's talk about that experimental group. That group of women were always doing the work, right? Their responsibilities didn't change. They were cleaning every single day, and yet their bodies weren't responding because they didn't recognize their job responsibilities as exercise, either consciously or subconsciously, right? And I'm sure that group of women knew, as we all do, that they need to maintain a certain level of movement each day for optimal health. I know we've all heard that we're supposed to be getting in 10,000 steps a day. It's widely known. And these women were going about their day and likely thinking that they're not doing enough or that their movement isn't in the form of steps, so it doesn't matter. As soon as someone brings to their attention that what they're doing is aligned with those recommendations and supporting their daily health, 
their physical body starts to change in a significant way. Think about that for a second. I would call that a limiting belief. The implications of limiting beliefs on health and wellness are hopefully becoming clear to you. What are we all doing in our daily lives that we rule out when those activities or behaviors actually might be contributing to our health and wellness? This is a very specific example related to movement, and I recognize that, but let's think about the broader applications. What stories are you telling yourself that might not be true? Think about your physical health. Think about your mental health. Start to bring awareness to these false truths and shine a light on those because we need to work to revise them. I can tell you that my journey has involved identifying and exploring a lot of limiting beliefs. In my past life, as a full-time D1 athlete, you would not catch me stretching ever. I considered it a complete waste of time. If I was going to work out, I should be burning calories on the treadmill or increasing my strength in the weight room or working on my rowing technique in or out of the boat. The average time we spent working out was upwards of 20 to 25 hours a week. When I stopped rowing, I honestly didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how to be a non-athlete. I'd been rowing at an elite level for almost a decade. At that point, it took me years to come to terms with the fact that adults who, you know, work a typical nine to five don't also spend upwards of 20 hours at the gym. I didn't need to train anymore, and I didn't know how to approach exercise without a goal or purpose. There was nothing to win. I was done with that. And I had this insurmountable limiting belief at the time that the sole purpose of exercise was isolated to progress and getting better, faster, stronger, you know, skinnier, and all the rest of it. I had to reteach myself that going for a walk is just as acceptable as going to a spin class. I had to learn that I didn't have to be on all the time, working towards something. I had to redefine what exercise meant to me, and now I don't even really refer to it as exercise. I call it movement, and it has a much broader definition. Movement could mean going to a yoga class, walking around the park, going for a bike ride, doing yard work, or even gardening. And reminder here, these are things I would never have been caught dead doing 10 years ago. And sure, sometimes I go for an intensive hike or do a spin class or go for a run, but those things aren't regarded as better anymore in my mind. It's all just movement. This had a really, really big impact on my physical and mental health specifically related to my sense of self-worth, perceptions I had of my body, leveling out my metabolism, and much more. And this is just one example. Another limiting belief I had was related to a food allergy diagnosis. There was a point in my life where I was diagnosed with gluten intolerance. I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to this in the coming weeks, but after cutting that out of my life for 10 years, I was at a crossroads. There was a point that I distinctly remember when the specialist told me I could start to add that back into my diet slowly and see what happened. It was a choice that I was given and I could decide for myself how I wanted to proceed. I was told it might continue to pain me or it might not. 
that was one of those life-changing moments for me. What do the kids call that these days? You know, like I think core memory. In that moment, I could have decided that gluten was always going to bother me and there was nothing I could do about it. I could have adhered to that limiting belief and continued to tell myself that gluten was always going to make me sick. And you know what? If I had done that and continued with that narrative, I truly believe that it would have continued to make me ill. Instead, I was really focused on rewriting the script and proceeding with an open mind. I tried not to have any expectation and allowed myself to be open to any outcome. There is a really great quote from Rhonda Burns' The Secret that speaks to this. If a patient is focused on illness, then they are inadvertently bringing more illness to them through the law of attraction. On the other hand, if the patient focuses on producing health and removes all notion of illness from their thoughts and feelings, then through the law of attraction, they must produce health. If there was no healing power within us, nothing could be healed. The common theme here is that we have the power to change our mindset when it comes to these beliefs we've adopted. When we think more about what is actually limiting us, the root cause is often fear. Fear that we're going to fail, fear that we're going to disappoint ourselves or others, fear that people might think differently of us, fear that we might have to think differently about ourselves. Let's think back to what we've learned about emotions in the past few weeks. We know it is important to combat these negative emotions and move ourselves out of that state of mind. You know what? The opposite of fear is courage. You need to really be courageous to challenge these limiting beliefs. When I personally had that realization, challenging those limiting beliefs wasn't so scary anymore. I don't know why, but somehow it just made me feel more in control to know that the first step is just to be brave. Sometimes we get so caught up and overwhelmed by change, and it can be so hard to start the process and overhaul these beliefs that you've held on to for so long. They become your default. They become part of your identity. I was always the friend that had to check in with the waiter and make sure there was a substitution or gluten-free meal I could eat whenever I was out. My God, I absolutely hated it. I had this anxiety built up every time I had to tell them about my allergy. You know what challenging my limiting belief has allowed me to do? I get to go to a restaurant now and eat bread and pasta and anything I want on the menu. The waiter asks everyone if anyone has an allergy, and I just sit there in silence, and it is glorious for me. My quality of life is just so much better now without this restriction, and it really did all start with being open to change. All right, let's talk about how we can start to overcome our limiting beliefs. The first step for us is to spend some intentional time thinking about what limiting beliefs you actually have. Take a few moments this week and reflect on the things you've been telling yourself you can't do. What are all those things that make up your identity? I highly encourage you to make a list. And by all means, you know, start to think about this while you're walking your dog or driving to work or getting ready, but try and document the things that come up because it'll be important for the next step. If some of those limiting beliefs I listed at the start of the episode resonated with you, 
Go back and jot those down so we can get to work on those too. The more comprehensive the list is, the better because we want to prioritize that list next and highlight the beliefs we want to work on first. Those that you prioritize should be the beliefs that impact your identity, progress, and growth the most. The second step is really to explore that limiting belief some more. Now, this is a really tough step. I want you to think back to the time when you actually remember starting to form that belief about yourself. What was happening in your life at that time? Were you in high school? Were you starting college? Were you starting your internship or apprenticeship or maybe your first job? Were you joining a team for the first time? Were you entering the world of dating? Were you starting to develop and curate a social media presence? All of these moments where big life changes happen are usually also the moments where we start to form some of these limiting beliefs. All right, the third step is to get objective. Start to question that belief a little more and ask yourself about what the facts are. Start to list those. Where does your thinking diverge from the facts? Writing down the facts and also those diverging thoughts will help you start to edit these beliefs both consciously and subconsciously. Did you arrive at that belief independently or did someone tell you something to make you believe it? What evidence do you have to support that belief? Start to comb through it. There are so many factors that contribute to our development of limiting beliefs. Parents, old friends, ex-partners, teachers, professors, society, influencers, and social media, politicians, and news outlets, and the list goes on and on. Think about what or who might have influenced you and aided in the formation of that belief. Take a moment and think about if you really value the opinion of that person or community in your life. Why are we internalizing opinions of people we don't even care about? Now, some of those limiting beliefs might not have anything to do with other people or external influences, and that's okay. The idea here is that we want to go back to the facts. Is what you're telling yourself true, or is it some creative thinking and dramatization of what really happened in your past? The third step is reframing the language you use around that belief. When we think about our limiting beliefs, we typically use sweeping statements like, I always, I never. We have to stop that. Just because you weren't athletic as a kid doesn't mean you can't find joy and happiness in exercise today. Just because someone told you that an idea is bad doesn't mean that you aren't creative or innovative. People grow and people change all the time. Are you the same person you were 10 years ago? I sure as hell am not, and thank God, honestly. We need to give ourselves the space to evolve. While there may be comfort in sticking to what we know and holding on to this sense of self that we've worked so long to craft and shape and protect, we're actually hurting ourselves. We aren't allowing progress and we are getting stuck in that area of life. Losing those sweeping statements is a really good start at rewriting the script. Once we start to change the language around that limiting belief, we want to continue to find evidence to disprove it. So from here on out, we want to note, 
document and file away instances where you are challenging those prior notions of yourself. Let's use an example here. Say you have a limiting belief about meditation. You might think to yourself, I can't meditate. I always get distracted. If you're researching more about meditation and learning more about that practice, you're increasing your knowledge and you're better positioned for success next time you try and sit down and meditate. Anytime you think about mindfulness and staying present, you're making progress because that's the entire goal of meditation, right? Each and every time you sit down to actually try and meditate, you might stay focused for even a second longer than before, and that's an improvement. So reverting back to that original statement, I can't meditate, I always get distracted. That's not really true, is it? Moving forward, we want to continue to find that evidence of progress to strengthen the belief in ourselves and not that notion of limitation. The more evidence you find, the more you grow and can leave that limitation behind. All right, friends, I'm leaving it here for today. There are a lot of things for you to work on to identify and address your limiting beliefs. Let's be clear. You aren't going to work through all of these in one week, but let's start to chip away slowly and challenge yourself when you notice these thoughts come up. If you have a topic you'd like to request or something you're just interested in, jump over to Instagram and DM me at healyourselfwithloa. That's healyourselfwithloa. This might look a little bit different to you. We're going to be updating the podcast cover art in the next week or so. So if it looks a little different, don't get turned off. We're just doing a little bit of a branding update. All right, as always, do your girl a favor and rate, review, and subscribe if you're finding value in this content. That's all for now. Peace, love, and mung beans. Bye.